Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. Hello. Hello. Do right me. I don't sing. Are we a new type of podcast? Yeah. Oh, my God. I am tone deaf. Hi. Hi. This is No Chick Flick Moments, our supernatural watchcast. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. And I'm so sorry, B, that I fucked it up that bad. <laughs> but we're rolling it's with it. It's not me editing it this week, so I hope you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. No, we're in it. We're going. All right. We are here with Supernatural Season 1, Episode 19, Provenance. Remy, what's the deets for this one? And this was an episode that was written by David Ehrman and directed by Phil Segrisha. It's David Ehrman's f- first and only written episode of Supernatural. So, oh my gosh, he comes in and he leaves in the rotating door right at the same time. Yeah, yeah, lots of experimentation going on this season one. So golf clap for mm-hmm. David Ehrman. Thank you for your contributions. Mm-hmm. This episode 19's original air date was April 13th, 2006. Mm. Okay, Supernatural. The summary for this episode reads, A young couple is murdered in their home, dun, 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 shortly after buying an antique painting of a family portrait circa 1910. Upon reviewing the painting's provenance, Sam and Dean learn that everyone who has ever bought the painting has been murdered and race to discover how the portrait is causing the deaths before it can claim its next victim. Ooh, good try. Mm. I'm like, spoilers, you didn't make it. <laughs> well, poor guys. Is that the full summary? Yeah, that's it. I'm sorry. I was like settling in. I'm like, what book are they going to read to us today? But that was surprisingly brief for the season one. No mention of Sam's epic romance, how how love blooms, you know? I mean, and so pure of heart. <laughs> okay. Shall we get into it? Yes. Where do we open up in this episode? All right. Well, we start with this huge family portrait featuring a dad glaring at his daughter, and the couple who purchased it are laughing at the fact that they now own this thing and hung it up in their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a reason that charity auctions have an open bar. I'm like, what is it about like someone else's family portrait where you're like, yeah, I want to own that, first of all. And then second of all, you're like, and I want to showcase it in my own house. Hang it right over the fireplace. Ugh. But to be fair, this young couple uh, looked to have just just come back from this aforementioned charity auction, and they're still tipsy and giggling and and just you know goosing each Riding other high, yeah, yeah, making fun of the fact that they b- actually bought this painting. Isn't it a little creepy? But, hey. I mean, yes, yes, but that doesn't stop them from being horny. 
so <laughs> they're giving each other like two minutes to completely lock up the house. She goes upstairs to get ready. She has candles prepped in like one minute flat. And um, we see the father in the portrait seems to move and his eyes follow the guy here, Mark, as he goes upstairs to join his wife in the bedroom. Yeah. No, no, no. It wasn't the fact that she had candles ready be in one minute flat that got me. It was the fact that she changed out of her cocktail dress, took her hair down, put on a lingerie slip and a silk robe, and then still had time to, like, artfully position herself in bed. Honey, I'm waiting. And, like, if you aren't up here quick enough, I'll take care of it myself. It was just, like... (laughs) fucking sonic the hedgehog in this household (laughs) they're like we need this done now (laughs) but but the husband is like you said locking up the house he's making his way upstairs where we have this like we're having these little scenes intercut with um with the husband just doing his thing and the wife uh waiting upstairs and that candle that she brought up to create a romantic atmosphere uh starts flickering in a in a mysterious wind we hear some ominous rustling and whispers and spooky noises mm-hmm. and then the portrait itself again the father moves and we see that the painted razor disappears from the table in the painting um and Spoilers, it is used to slash Anne's throat open and the room is plunged in darkness. We don't get to see this. We just get to see um, Mark climbing into bed in the dark and be like, huh, what's this wet stuff on my hand? And then he turns on the light and holy shit, blood, blood everywhere. No time to react beyond that because he is the next victim. Yeah. Title card. We cut to a bar. There is live music and Dean is programming a young woman's phone number into his cell as Sam waves over at him from a distant table, um, seemingly fixated on the research he is doing on his lonesome. Oh, yes. Yes. There's no time for fun and games because every man Sam is diligently at work. Uh, while his skeezy brother yeah. tricks unsuspecting co-eds into bed. Yeah, and Dean wants shore leave. He wants a night off to have some fun. But Sam is insistent, you know, no, we have to do the job. I found a case um, looking at this Hudson Valley Beacon um, newspaper. And when he cross-references the article about the slain couple, it seems to line up with a slurry of killings that John had put into his journal that had occurred in the similar area over the last hundred years. Yep. Yep. The couple was killed in their own home. Locked tight. No forced entry. It's looking like it's fitting a pattern marked by John. And, you know, Dean wasn't interested until Sam brought up that John had, you know, marked the same hunt as a potential hunt. He thought that Sam was just, you know, it could, it could just be a garden variety murder, but 
Yeah. And maybe Sam was looking for an excuse to say no to um, Dean's offer. You know, Brandy's got a friend. I can hook you up. And Sam is saying, well, no, I don't need you to hook me up with people. And Dean's like, yeah, but you don't do it yourself. So we can see already what the theme of this episode is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get into like, haven't we seen this episode before? This is looking very familiar. This is kind of like Shadow, yeah, where Meg um, was running into Sam in the bar, and then Dean's like, oh, I'm gonna leave you guys alone. Or not, that's not what Dean did. Dean was like, you're not wanting to fuck me? But this episode, he's a lot more willing to try and get his brother laid. No, no, no. This is, this is looking familiar circa Route 666, where... We have oh my god, just the flip of it, yeah. We have Sam throwing Dean at his uh, uh, love interest, like you want to fuck? Let's go. <laughs> Dean at least can be like, "There's complicated history preventing me from doing this," whereas Sam is like, "I'm still heartbroken, and the next woman I fuck is going to die," and like. <laughs> Yeah. Now yeah. there's complicated history preventing him from uh, from getting with anybody. It's the same thing. But maybe. but uh, that's like internal. Okay, there's slightly different uh, between Dean being like, yeah, she broke up with me and she can't stand me. Like she still ha- kind of likes me, but she hates me. And Sam being like. This girl just adores me, and she totally understands me. She's the perfect woman, um, but my man pain is too great. I can't, <laughs> I can't go with her. Like it's, it's a slightly different scenario, but I do agree. We're getting that real feeling of go get laid happening um, between the brothers here. <laughs> oh, 2000, oh, 2005. Oh. I mean, the network wants more romance, so the writers, gosh golly, they're doing their best. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, okay, we might have a case here. Dean's just like, can this wait until tomorrow? Sam's like, sure. And then Dean's like, awesome, I'm going to go have the greatest night of my life. Goodbye. <laughs> have fun with your newspapers, Sam. And we cut back to him the next morning. And it looks like he did have a good night. Yeah, he is sleeping in the passenger seat of the Impala. Um, I noticed the Impala is particularly dusty this episode. I feel like they were really trying to go for that working class aesthetic compared to some of the more shinier vehicles we'll see briefly later. Um, But as it is, I was noticing the water spots and the dust as we came up to the Impala, we saw Dean snoozing with his sunglasses on, and Sam just cannot turn up the, he cannot turn away the opportunity to lay on the horn to wake up Dean. Yeah, yeah. Hey, your hangover, your problem. And again, I get to hear Jared Padalecki's laugh, and I'm just like, this is unnatural, I don't like this. (laughs) Guffaw. Oh, and it's, I'm like, it's not that funny. It is funny, but I don't know if it's proportional response from Sam. But anyways, <laughs> that's that's my own personal complaint. I just, I guess I'm uncomfortable with joy in this show, so. 
<laughs> Sam is very happy to have gotten uh, a little payback to Dean. And yes, he, it, it, but Dean, you know, was, it, it looks like he was supposed to be ke- keeping lookout while Sam went and swept the uh, Teleska house for EMF, uh, which he, he found none. And uh, Dean, instead of keeping watch, was just taking a little snooze. So, yeah. And like you say, Sam reports back that the house was clean, you know, and while Dean was napping, he also had looked into the family. There's nothing in their history. So if it's not a ghost or sorry, if it's not a haunted house and it's not the family, what is it? Is it a cursed object? And Sam is like, no, I told you the house was clean. Yeah, it's been cleaned out. No furniture, no belongings. Uh, so what happened to all their stuff? Yes. And they must find a way to locate it because the next scene that we have is them appearing at this fancy auction house for the estate sale of the Telescas. I um, like... this is where we see... Uh, oh, I was going to say, I like the shot... I don't. I, I didn't know if you were just going to go straight into the auction house, but I, but the shot with baby and the cars. Mm-hmm. Um, this is I how like we it. introduce uh, this new setting where we're going into this fancy uh, auction house with this fancy closed auction guest only, mm-hmm. and uh, we run down this line of shiny, very expensive luxury cars and and then we have baby who yes a little dusty but i don't know i I think front grill is looking like it's taken a road chip or two uh uh-huh uh-huh which which aesthetically i liked but 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 practically i was like dude this is this is a classic car in perfect condition i don't care if you Thank throw you. a little uh road dust on it Th- this is baby you. keeping good company with all the other 50 70 100,000 cars uh, in the lot yeah yeah like i said i felt like it was out of place to see her so dusty just because they wanted to make this juxtaposition but i mean they're doing what they can with symbolism they (laughs) picked this moment and so they did it yeah um did you notice the easter egg of the license plate cas the cas license plate no, one of the fancy breeds of cars, the license plate at the front said the Crip, which is Kripke's nickname. Uh, uh, uh is it the, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it was there. No, 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 no. I, I mean, like, like, like the Crip, that's yeah, like his nickname. K-R-I-P. The Crip. I mean, is that, is that Kripke's nickname or is that like... One of those things where when you're a twelve year old, well, but no, but like when you're like a, tw- but but then like you know like when you're like a twelve year old boy and you go to summer camp and you just tell everyone that your that your nickname is the Crip and that's what everyone calls you and and no, it really is like like my name is Shades, just call me Shades. 
So yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen on social media like Jensen refer to him as Crip and someone else refer to him as that. Like, I think bless him. It is it is the nickname. I was just skeptical that is it the nickname or is it the nickname that he gave himself trying to make it happen? I think both can be true. I think (laughs) both can be true. Why not both? I didn't. No, no, B, I did not see the Easter egg. (laughs) Okay, well, it'll be there next time you want to watch this episode. (laughs) Yeah, fun little Easter egg for y'all. But we are at this fancy auction house, and we do see Dean and Sam go inside. Um, Dean is snacking on canapes and mini quiches while Sam Connors introduces himself to the auction house owner, uh, Daniel Blake, who is unimpressed that they have interrupted this private showing. Yes. Dean says, no, 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 just, yeah, go, go check the guest list again. We're there. Don't worry. Can I have another mini quiche? Oh, Get me a glass of champagne, please. Mm-hmm. And Sam is just like scandalized. He seems to understand the rules of this place and is willing to follow them. Whereas Dean might understand them and just does not care. He is not the main character this episode. He gets to have plenty of moments where he's mouthing off. He is sniffing this glass of champagne. Like, oh, I don't know what the move he's doing there, but it is... <laughs> pissy it is confrontational and he is having the time of his life being the supporting cast this episode Uh uh-huh yep so they're wandering around they see the teleska estate items and they are both eyeing that weird family portrait when sarah blake shows up and she gives this red herring of a comment on the art style that sam catches um, Dean kind of leans on him in that moment. He's elbowing Sam to do the response. And I, I don't know what they're talking about, but it seems to be enough to Sarah that Sam has proven his mettle as knowing a thing or two about art, which yeah. she, as it turns out, took in university. Yeah, yeah. I guess she called out the, I don't know, what'd she call it? American modernism or something i mean sure i'll take it (laughs) you're the art expert in this moment (laughs) sure sure anyways like you said it was the red herring just to see if he would uh if he knew anything about art like he says he Mm -hmm. does as sam connors the art dealer Mm -hmm. and dean is having a good old time here just munching those mini quiches and sort of watching the back and forth between Sam and Sarah, because unlike maybe what he was expecting, Sarah has no time for Dean. She has only eyes for Sam. Yeah, they're definitely having a moment. I just liked how we're having this moment in front of the family portrait and how they gravitated to this thing because it's like, dude, if anything's going to be haunted in this place, it's definitely the creepy family portrait, right? It's gotta be it's gotta be the creepy family portrait right look just look at it (laughs) if this was your dad would you not feel haunted like the answer (laughs) is yes okay (laughs) and and they're talking about it they're like sarah sarah's like yeah that's an interesting piece we sold it to the telescas the night they died oh how interesting 
Yeah. Um, do you happen to have the provenance on that document? Sam's asking. And before Sarah can even respond, her dad, Daniel, shows up and is like, you guys got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, turns out you are not on the guest list. So a good bye. Dean, well, okay, you don't have to tell us twice. No, apparently I do. Goodbye. I know, that was so good. <laughs> Dean just being a little bitch, I'm like, always oh, a favorite of mine. Uh, just the way that he tucks in his chin when he makes his little affronted face, like, oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, <Yes>. okay. <laughs> and Sam and Sarah lock eyes as he leaves, and Sarah in their absence, calls her dad rude. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because um, Sam, it's up to Sam to herd his erstwhile brother out of, mm-hmm. out of the... Yeah, because Dean's in stubborn mode, so he's going to be kicking up dust, and I think Sam's not wanting to, A, experience that moment, or B, experiencing it in front of Sarah. Yes, yes. He's setting a good impression in her eyes. Yes. So we cut to outside the Motel of the Week. Um, Dean is commenting on Sam's art history knowledge, which um, Sam says was, you know, a great way to pick up girls when he was in college. And we walk into the motel. We have some insane music play for this (laughs) hotel room. And we do a slow pan up to see... This disco-themed hotel room in all of its magnificence. I really like this room, and I don't know if it read disco to me, but I thought the reaction to it, I was like, okay, are you guys just, like, scared of liking disco? <laughs> or, like, what? what's the deal here? Is there some subconscious hatred going on that maybe you aren't aware of when you are deciding to film and orchestrate this scene in this way. No, I didn't see it like that at all. I saw it as a moment of actual admiration on how hard they leaned into their theme, right? So Sam and Dean literally just had to stop and take it in for a second and just be like, huh, huh, okay. Yeah, I really <laughs> hope so. But just that response from Sam and Dean being like, "Huh," I was like, "Hmm, what what's being said here?" I I I want to live in the optimistic world that you're painting, though, Remy. Let Let's take that one away. I I actually liked it as almost like a breaking the fourth wall kind of moment because mm-hmm. because this is um what are they called? The set designers having some fun, you know, they're setting up this room that had this motel room that they, it's the same motel room that they just redecorate week to week. Yeah. Uh, the same set, I should say. And they are obviously having fun picking themes and decorating to these themes and trying their best to give the these sets this Americana feel and um and it's so quintessentially supernatural that well I should say it's so quintessentially supernatural at a time that supernatural isn't even a thing yet so I just loved it I don't know it's just great I mean, I really like the room, but it felt like 
they're like, man, aren't we jumping the shark with these set designs, huh? Like, it felt a little like them trying to justify or lampshade the fact that they made this theme of a room. And I'm like, buddy, you have no idea. You have 14 more years in you. This is nothing. My eyes are dead. Like, you are going to do so much more extreme set designs. And for you guys to kind of be lampshading this room, I'm, I was just like, oh, uh, sweetheart, you have no idea. A storm is a coming. Exactly. That's why I liked it. It was like, oh, look, it's a supernatural motel room. And the... Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it was just it was just one little moment that was completely dedicated to like making fun of the set designers and their own choices and and setting a tone for the supernatural motel aesthetic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so yeah, while they are in here, they are talking a bit about the provenance of a piece which is just giving sort of the record of its history its origin all that kind of stuff its ownership and so there yeah mm-hmm. we're you know what what's its event log um and if they want to get that for this painting or any of the other Teleska items then maybe sarah can help with that and so Sam, I mean, perhaps rightly so, just assumes what Dean is saying here is, oh, you're going to go and seduce her. And Dean's like, no, not me. You are. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's Dean sees Sarah as an open, uh, someone that they can pump information from. And yeah, Sarah didn't have eyes for Dean. Sarah had eyes only for Sam. So if they wanted in, then Sam better pick up the phone and give, give her a call. And Sam gets a little huffy he's like so you want me to use her for information is that what you're saying and i'm like okay judgy okay i'm like sorry what do you do for a living again <laughs> he puts so much emphasis on so so ugh, you're telling me to use her for information like t- sam this is this is episode 19 yeah where have you been, buddy? Yeah, we, we've we seen you do exactly this many times before. But maybe because he kind of has a spark with Sarah this time that he's like, mm, I'm slightly feeling morally and ethically dubious about doing what we always do. He's the nice guy this episode. He doesn't. Yes. He doesn't use people, Dean. He's not about subterfuge and lying. Yeah, he is supposed to be seduced this episode. He's not the seducer. Hello. Mm-hmm. But Dean flicks the phone out at the ready to call Sarah and we cut immediately to them having dinner at a fancy restaurant. Them being Sam and Sarah only. Um, Sarah is surprised that he called and she hasn't been on a date recently and neither has he. Um, While Sam is struggling through the wine menu, she seems to notice and she takes gracious uh, moment here for him to order a beer instead. And he gratefully grabs a hold of this life (laughs) raft and says that he'll have a beer too. Yes. Yes. 
we do a little bit of a time skip. There's a you know empty plates and a few empty beers on the table. So Sarah hasn't left yet. So I guess it's time to pry for some information how he's you know what he's really here for. Yeah. We see the parallels being drawn between their past experience um, because Sarah admits that she hasn't been dating because about a year ago, her mom abruptly died and she kind of self-isolated from that. And only recently has she realized that um, it's not what her mom would have wanted. So she's trying to grasp um, and reach out to kind of normalcy again. And she's like, how about you, Sam? And Sam just is completely closed off. Like, he he can't say um, what happened to him with Jess and how that's been affecting him so. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, we're definitely uh, drawing the parallels. Everything that Sarah is saying that she's going through right now, uh, Sam is definitely... Uh, relating to and finding common ground mm-hmm. in because he's going through the same thing, but he's unwilling to talk about it. Like you said, do- dodging all of Sarah's questions on. So why didn't, why didn't you go to law school? Uh, that's a long story. Why haven't you been on a date in a while? That's another long story. I'm like, no, Sam, it's the same long story, but <laughs> yeah, just tell the story. Then it's two birds, one stone. But uh-huh. I think he's put his, focus so entirely on the work because it helps him escape the grief that he has bottled up and studiously ignored. Um, He really doesn't want to take the stopper out of it and have to feel that grief again. Um, So it's just easier to write it off as a long story that they don't need to get into. Yeah, which definitely is and has been his M.O. Uh, whenever we do visit this uh, this plot line with Sam in previous episodes, uh, this is what he does. He is pulling the job around him like that soft, safe shell, like Sarah said. Mm-hmm. She retreated to her own shell uh after her mother died and she is just now peeking out from under it and sam we've seen has been doing the same with the work this episode and yeah. previous episodes yeah but yeah all in all this scene is really just reinforcing that these two characters have very similar experience they are you know they're having a bit of a chemistry moment and we're seeing Sarah be really gracious about um, Sam's reluctance to talk about things, his maybe discomfort with this fancy world that she is comfortable in. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than requiring him to meet her at her place, she's more than willing to bridge the gap and meet him on his own level playing field. Mm-hmm. But yeah, after this little date, we cut back to the motel where Dean is honing his knife and Sam is looking over the provenances that Sarah just gave to him, which really surprises Dean and he keeps prying for more details about their date. Yeah, 
So nothing happened. You didn't have to do any favors. You didn't have to pump her for information. Wink. Right. Wink, wink, wink. No, Dean. I just went to her place. I asked for the provinces and she gave them to me. It's not that difficult. Yeah. And Dean's like, holy shit. Like, if she and you are getting along this well, then, you know, we we could stick around after the case. Since it's so obvious that Sam is into Sarah. And Sam is not really feeling that suggestion. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to set that aside and focus on this very fascinating piece of paper in front of my face that happens to be the provenance for... Uh, the portrait of Isaiah Merchant's family. Mm-hmm. Circa Yeah, Sam pulls a, look over there. <laughs> wait, wait, I think I found something. Oh, one thing, though, before we move on. Uh, oh, yeah. Was when Dean was, uh, I don't want to say ribbing Sam, because I think that he genuinely was, he genuinely was asking the question, like, so how did it go down? What trick did you pull? What con yeah. did you go with to get her to to give you the provenances? Uh, Sam was just like, I didn't. It wasn't necessary. I just told her it was business, and, you know, it's not that hard. But anyways, I thought that was interesting from from dean or funny from dean because to him if he was in that situation he would absolutely make a performance and a production out of it it he would make it 10 times more complicated than it has to be just because he he has to because otherwise he just has to be himself which oh yeah god forbid he can't be himself so when sam was saying no we just went on a date and we talked and I asked for the papers and she gave me the papers. I was just being myself. He's like, you, you, a what, a what? You did what now? You were (laughs) yourself? Like, it's that genuine human connection that I think that Dean's quite taken aback that, hey, you used that and it worked? Uh Uh-huh. It was obviously played for laughs. Like, he was just ribbing his brother. Like, so how'd you, how'd you sneak it in there? Mm-hmm. How'd you manipulate her? Yeah. What'd you have to do, you naughty boy? But. Yeah. Oh, we didn't do anything. We just talked. Hmm. Sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. Dean just does not compute. Mm-hmm. But this portrait of Isaiah Merchant's family. How's that? Yes. Um, Sam has given the journal and the paperwork over to Dean to compare, and we can see the provenances for this portrait. The dates of purchase line up with the dates of murders and even, like, the family of murders. Whew! <laughs> did the mic fall over there? It did. Aries was like, I don't like this. And so <laughs> he... <laughs> he jumped through... Um, where my headphone cord was and then he caught on the cord and then the cord pulled the headphone over. Bless his little stupid heart. (laughs) And then he just sat there. He's like, I don't know what happened. (laughs) Okay. 
So, okay, based off of this information, comparing it to the journal entries, um, it seems something's wrong with this portrait. Maybe it's haunted, maybe it's cursed, but either way, let's just burn the thing and be done with it. Yeah, yeah, they don't care if it's haunted or if it's cursed or if it uh, it's possessed by shit. Mr. Man, the merchant man. <laughs> Mr. Man, the merchant man. I was going to make a funny Ghostbusters joke and... And, um, what's the little, what's, what's the, no, no, I literally, I've never actually watched Ghostbusters, so I don't know the name of the little goopy ghost guy, except for through Uh, cultural osmosis. I haven't osmosed the name either. I'm like, Goober. Goober the ghost. Yeah. Guys, trust. I was going to make a funny joke about Goober the ghost and possessing the portrait, but, um, I, I did it. Because I have, because I'm bad at popular culture. <laughs> Anyways. Gozer. Is it Gozer? <laughs> no, I think it's literally like snot ghost. I mean, it's. Snoticus Rex. Like. <laughs> Gooper. Gooper. I'm pretty sure. If I got to name it, it would be Gooper, okay? It's it something. Um, obvious, but I can't, I can't remember it at this time, so. But they don't care. It doesn't matter, because the result, the end result is the same. They just salt and burn it, and then it's done, so. And I liked that, too, because I liked to think, I like to build this little, like, you know, world of the supernatural. What is, what is Sam and Dean's actual day-to-day in, Mm -hmm. in my mind, because, Sometimes a hunt really is just you go, you think the thing is cursed and it's haunted, and it is, and then you just burn it and it's done. And nothing nothing dramatic happens. Yeah, yeah like nine times out of ten, the first thing you burn was the right thing you burned. <laughs> right, right. And then and then you call it a day. Go, go on to the next town. Yeah. Not this time, though. We get no. like a heist sequence when they go back to the auction house. And they cut the portrait dramatically out of its frame and then burn it, I don't know, in the motel parking lot, in the auction house parking lot, (laughs) some sort of very straightforward location. And they're like, well, looks like our job here is done. But we cut to the empty frame in the auction house and see that the portrait has mysteriously reformed and the canvas is back in the frame. For reasons, it regen it magically regenerates for reasons. It's a ghost painting, okay? It's not actually there. It's not actually made of canvas. It's just ghost power. <laughs> it is law. I-, I I love the Mission Impossible music. I did too. Honestly, I was very impressed that they. I guess they composed this music in-house and played it. And I'm like, how come we couldn't keep this instead of that guitar twang that I hate? The... <laughs> I'm like, no! <laughs> I'm like, no! Oh, God. Love the Im- I mean... Mission Impossible music. Hated that the portrait just magically regenerated because we needed to find, you know, we needed to play Where's Waldo we, later in the episode. Yeah. We needed to also see, like, another person get killed by this thing. So. Uh-huh. 
Can't kill without that painting. Um, it is the next day in the motel, and Dean is panicking because he realized that he dropped his wallet sometime while they were in the warehouse. So very clearly they have to go back and find it because it's got his prints on it, it's got his fake IDs, um, and Sam's like, Jesus, how can you lose it? But he obliges and goes along and they enter the auction house and are furiously searching for where the wallet could be. Until Sarah arrives, comes out from around the corner and spots Sam and is very glad to see him. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, fancy running into you here. Sam goes very shifty. Oh, oh no reason. Just, uh, yeah, we're, we're headed out today. I came to say bye. In the, like, yeah. I liked how, um, Sam did this little, like, casual lean. He put his hand on his hip. His Dean in the background there. Uh-huh. Dean in the background. Like, like Sam's like, oh, look no. at look at me. I'm six foot seven. I'm going to make myself big so that you look at me and my brother can go and, like, continue to look for his fucking wallet that he dropped while we were burgling <laughs> you. I hope you didn't notice. Like... Oh my god, Jensen had so many times during this episode where it seemed like he was just having fun being the side character. Like mm-hmm. th- like you're saying, this moment where he's kind of in the background while Sam and Sarah talk. And leaning and just kind of like making faces. Um, blessed his heart. It was so good. Yes, yes. And, but yeah, no. Sam is freaking out, but Dean doesn't care, like you said. He's he's sitting there smirking because this is all going exactly according to plan. Yeah. Like, as soon as Sam is saying, oh, we just came to say goodbye, Dean steps forward. He's like, oh, no, actually, we're still hanging around for a little while. And, uh, you know, um, while I'm here, he pulls out his wallet, which was mysteriously not missing. Um, hands Sam $20 as if to prove the wallet's there. And also, I feel like, here's a little money for when you guys go on a date later. Like, get her something special. Okay, bye, sweetie, bye. And then, like, he says, I gotta go somewhere and do something. And just leaves. <laughs> His fucking snap strap wallet. I love oh. it. <laughs> Bless. Yeah, and he skedaddles out of there so fucking fast. Sam is left with, like, dust (laughs) falling gently on his face. And he is blustering his way through a conversation with Sarah because he's trying to let her down gently. No, you know, Dean was just JKL Omeoing. We're actually leaving today. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. And then he sees someone walk by carrying the portrait. It is back in one piece. And he does like the most unconvincing, oh my God. And then has to startle his, I shouldn't say start, struggle his way through a conversation with Sarah. Yeah. Oh, oh no, no, oh no, I'm fine. I mean, it, it it's just that painting. Everything is normal. I I was just noticing that painting. Oh, what a beautiful painting. We should I should go I should look at that painting. Oh yes, yes, yes. Don't you think it's that's like, a- buddy, you guys already joined <laughs> like a conversation over this piece. Like she's not buying that this is the first time you're seeing it or like you're particularly raptured by it this time yeah yeah no no don't you think that's a beautiful painting 
And she's like, nah, it's creepy. Like, she does not like it. She does not want it to get sold. And Sam's just being like, good, good idea. Don't sell it. Great idea. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, no, don't, don't sell it. Yes. Good, good instincts. Do not sell it. I need to go talk to my brother. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll talk later about the, this, yeah. this beautiful painting. Wait, so and you're Sarah, not... the perfect love interest is just like, okay, um, <laughs> I'm a little confused, but bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, so you're not leaving tonight? Uh, uh, uh okay, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, I'm still into him for some reason. Okay, bye. <laughs> And and as Sam is trying to disengage from this car crash of a conversation, he's like walking backwards through the showroom, this antiques showroom, and I'm like, he's Safety going to first. Not- those fucking elbows again, Sam. You are <laughs> six foot infinity. And you have <laughs> elbows for days. You are going to knock over one of these very expensive statuettes that you're passing by while walking backwards through an antique showroom. Yeah. And, um, and then what are yeah. you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, it's time for the bros car talk. Sam and Dean are both very confused how to get rid of the portrait if burning it doesn't work. Um, But if the painting is haunted, then it will probably be by one of the family members in the painting. So they need to do some research. Research! And they have a very helpful uh, librarian uh, in this next scene who is very... He seems to be a little, a bit of a local history buff because he's very eager to help Sam and Dean, who he assumes are, uh, you know, fellow crime buffs. Uh, yes. To to yeah, do their he's research. Really on, excited. Yes, to do their research on this uh, this uh, Isaiah Merchant case. Yeah. So it looks like he had two sons, an adopted daughter, and just one day slit his kids' throats, then his wife, then his own. And the description that the neighbors or whatever gave for Isaiah was that he's basically a mean old asshole and the wife was ready to leave him, which was not a thing that you did back in 1912. Um, so, hey, look, there's our motive. There's our explanation. Um... Where where are the bodies? Where are the bodies? Um, <laughs> totally normal question to ask. Yes. Um, and we find out that apparently the whole family was cremated. Um, and there was also a book brought out by this guy that showed a picture of the family inside of it that looks almost exactly like the painting, but not quite. Yes, I think that Sam notices right away that there are subtle differences in this photo of the painting as it was, um, you know, in the in the merchant family era, like I said, circa 1910, uh, differences to how it looks now as they saw it in the in the showroom. Yeah. So they ask for a photocopy of it that they can take away and then they're going to want to compare it to the original painting. 
Um, but we have this brief scene where Sarah is chiding her father for selling the painting after he said that he wouldn't. And he's basically like, money rules. What can I do? Evelyn, this woman that we're going to meet very briefly, um, paid me an amount I couldn't refuse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So through you know through our previous scenes with sarah she's been expressing her distaste for the whole affair you know having this estate estate sale uh for the um the passed away sensational deaths right right the sensational deaths of the i am struggling what is their name teleska Teleska couple. I don't know why it mattered. But anyways, the Teleska estate <laughs> and selling their things so soon after their deaths. And and we, this portrait we sold to them the night they died. And I mean, isn't it ghastly? Yeah. Isn't this in bad taste? Yes. And yes. the dad's like, anything that tastes green tastes good. <laughs> so I like money. The end. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good enough for me. Yep. So Sam and Dean, they go back in. Um, They're going to try and see the other details that might have changed in the painting. Um, And Dean's also kind of like, you can spend more time with your girlfriend. Um, But, you know, as they're sitting in the motel talking about Sarah in this way, um, Sam's kind of had enough. Um, he's tired of Dean trying to hook him up with this girl and like he's saying what's the point of doing that if we're just going to take off and Dean's like well I'm not telling you to marry her you know just maybe have some fun and you won't be such a dick (laughs) yeah yeah ever since we got here you've been trying to pimp me me out just back off and you know, like you said, we're just going to leave. What do you care if I hook up? And Dean's trying to say, it's not about just hooking up. I think that she's, mm-hmm. I think that she's a good girl. And I think that you like her. And I think that she could make you happy. And you know what? It's so fucking sue me if I want you to have a little fun. If I want you to be a little happy. Yeah, maybe blow off some steam. Because all work and no play makes Sam fucking boring and insane. <laughs> Dean probably. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 And, and and while while he's at it, he does say, you know, Sam, I kinda get it, you know. I I think that some of this is because of Jessica, right? And I get it. Like, well, actually he says I don't get it. I, I don't know what it's like to lose someone like that. But I would think that Jessica would want you to be happy and you just seem to be punishing yourself and that's not what she would want. Yeah. And like, this is a really earnest moment for Dean because we see him very often use charm and use sort of this persona um, when he's interacting with people and, you know, let's keep it light. Let's keep it breezy and charming. Um, but he's taking a moment here to be vulnerable and say, like, you know, I, I probably don't get it, but this is my take on it. And I yeah. really am just, you know, you think I'm giving you a hard time or like making fun of you. But really, like Dean is trying to look out for his brother and like he probably hasn't had many opportunities to like 
tease Sam over a crush. You know, it's been years since they've been together and it's exciting for Dean to see Sam have that potential connection. And he's trying to encourage it in this incorrigible brotherly (laughs) way. But the sincerity is still there that he thinks that this would be good for Sam and he doesn't want Sam to miss out on it just because he insists on keeping a nose to dad's journal and only think about the job. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I mentioned last episode that uh, it's just always struck me how deep Dean's empathy runs And here we're seeing it again. He is very aware of, you know, what will and won't speak to Sam in, in how Dean is approaching the subject of Jess. Like he, he's being honest and he's being vulnerable and he is trying to let Sam know that he wants to look out for Sam, but he doesn't really get it. He's not pretending to get it. Um, yeah. And he sees this pain that, that Sam is going through. And I think that he's feeling it in a way, but he, he feels a little helpless, you know, in front of it. Yeah. Like once upon a time, Dean tried to relate to Sam about the pain he was going through with Jessica's death and Sam kind of shut it down being like you're comparing her death to mom's death well mom's death happened you know 20 odd Mm -hmm. years ago this is fresh for me like you can't compare and so we see now that like Dean has learned from that conversation and he is being a bit more um on Sam's level and recognizing that Sam is in a place that Dean just cannot relate to and he doesn't have to force it to still try and make a point with Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, no matter what, Sam isn't moving on and he doesn't seem ready to move on. But if it's for Jessica, then he's coming from the wrong place because this, because this isn't what Jessica would want. So he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be holding himself back for Jessica. Yeah. But we actually hear from Sam that that's not all of it. Yeah. You know, that's not everything that he's thinking about. And, um, he does not, um, elaborate, you know, he's, he's teary eyed. He's agreeing that Jessica would want him to, you know, go out and live life again. Yeah. But it's not the main part of what's holding him back. Right. Um, Right. He says, you know, something is holding me back and part of it is Jessica, but it's not the main part, but that's all we get in, in this moment. So he does what, Um, they've decided he calls Sarah to meet and, you know, buy the painting, but it turns out that it has been sold. Yes. Yes. And all we see is, uh, Sam's part of the conversation here, but as soon as he hears that it's sold, he pretty much drops the, the pretense and he, um, he says, no, Sarah, Sarah. I need an address and I need it now. Yeah. So we cut to the new buyer's house 
um, the woman, Evelyn, she's sitting in her living room where the painting is above the fireplace. She's drinking tea. Um, we see the painting move and Evelyn hears a noise. She gasps and we cut away from her um, as, you know, presumably she meets the same fate that we saw Mark meet when there was a similar setup at the beginning of the episode. Yes. And we see Sam mm. and Dean pull up to the house. Uh, and Sarah is there as well. And Sam and Dean are, you know, rushing to try to beat the clock. Um, and Sam sees that Sarah has come as well and says, Hey, I told you to stay home. What are you doing here? It's dangerous. Stay here. And Sarah's like, no, what is going on? You, you demand that I give you this address and then you expect me not to show up. I mean, hello. You said that Evelyn yeah, could like, be in Evelyn danger. Evelyn is a friend. She yeah. says, yeah, she says, you said that Evelyn might could be in danger. What is going on? Yeah. So she is also really thrown off by the fact that they try kicking in the door. It doesn't work. So Dean just pulls out his pickpocket kit and he starts trying to pick the front lock. And she's like, what are you guys burglars? And they're like, anyways, it's not the time to be answering questions. Um, Dean does manage to get inside, but um, by time they enter the house, um, it's very quiet inside. Um Sarah goes to see Evelyn where she's sitting and um unfortunately Evelyn is dead. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah screams when she sees it and Sam gets her out of there. So then it's the next day at the motel. Um Sarah comes bursting in the room. And she's in a tizzy because she lied to the cops for them. She said she went to Evelyn's alone. And, you know, she covered for them, so they owe her. She's demanding answers for who killed Evelyn. And Sam and Dean kind of exchange a look. And then Sam corrects her to say what. Yeah. What killed her. Not who, but what. And... Sarah's like, I didn't come here for riddles, Sam. What the fuck? Yeah. Give me my answers and just let me go, you know? Yeah. But Sam is pointing out the fact that, you know, you saw the painting move, did you not? And Sarah's like, oh, no, that's crazy. Um, but um, he's insisting that it is haunted. And Sarah has this cute moment where she's like, you're joking. And then Oh, you're not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, this is another one of those parallels to Route 666 where I was like, this is the same episode. <laughs> it's the same episode. We have Sam and his love interest and they're awkward and they're struggling to f connect and, and, and Dean is trying to push Sam into this when he's not ready yet and it's causing tension between the brothers and then and then you know the love interest finds out that finds out about the supernatural and and has to go through the whole rigmarole of oh no I'm in love with a crazy man but no 
no, it's it's all true. And but but think of what Sarah's doing compared to Cassie. Tell me, tell me. Well, like Sarah, she's hearing the news and she's not writing them off. She's like, okay, if that's what you're telling me, um, we want to stop the killing. Um, and Sarah's like, I'm coming with whatever you think you're doing. And Sam's like, it's too dangerous. And she's like, anyways, like my family <laughs> sold the painting. I feel responsible for these deaths. And she's scared, but she's not running, she says. And like that bit. So she leaves the hotel room and again, Jensen has been doing excellent face work as the extra in this scene. Uh-huh. But Dean has a moment where he looks to Sam and is just like, marry that girl. And your Route 66, I'm thinking about because from Dean's experience, when the girl that he was interested in, the girl that he loves, found out about the supernatural, she ran and did not come back. And here Sarah is saying, I'm not running. And she wants to be involved. And Dean's like, you hold on to women like that. Like, do not let that one go. Oh, no. And now you're making me think of, like, actual inverse Dean looking at Sam and Sarah and seeing the parallels between his Mm -hmm. relationship that imploded with, you know, with Cassie and actually oh god actually pointing out yeah, that like, this is not an opportunity to be missed yeah yeah he was invested in her and he lost her and here sam is waffling about whether to commit to sarah or like whether he's even interested in a fling with her and then sarah's like i found out about about the supernatural and where's the nearest shotgun you gotta teach me how to use it like she's on board even if she's not 100 percent believing them yet yeah she's not dismissing them she is involved because she sees a wrong and she wants to correct it like she's following sort of the same code that they have where you can't just let this lie. And yeah, I think that this is a big change for most of the um, civilians we see that find out about the supernatural. Um, Not often are they like, I want to be on the front lines with you. Yeah. And that's showing Sarah as this really um, rare breed that, Dean saw right away and I know it's just a jokey line but at the same time he's telling Sam like pay attention yeah yeah I like that clapping his hands in front of Sam's face like pay attention look yeah wake up and see what exotic (laughs) being you have in front of you (laughs) right right yeah because Sarah is saying well okay you might be crazy but show me, you know, prove it to me. Show me. Yeah. yeah. I'm not dismissing you yet. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Evelyn's and they are sneaking into the crime scene to go check the portrait for more information. Um, Dean does note the razor is open in the painting, um, which the photocopy they have, it's closed. And additionally, the painting within the portrait is different between the photocopy and the painting itself. Um, the, the portrait has the family mausoleum 
when they're looking at it in person. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that they've already noted previously, but I don't know if we mentioned was that the, um, the, the father in the portrait, Isaiah in the photocopy, he's looking straight ahead. Uh, but currently he's looking down and to the, the left looking in the direction of his daughter. Yeah, so that was, like, the big difference that's cueing them to look for all these little differences. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is something in here that we can use to, you know, what... Mm-hmm. What what's going on? What do we do if we can't burn the painting? Yeah, and what a what a handy dandy clue and a literal photograph of this mausoleum. Yeah, you can play like highlights magazine between these two things and just be like, yeah, oh, there's there's Waldo right there. Yeah, so they're going to go on a hunt for this um this crypt for the uh, merchant family. Yeah, so. Sarah presumably has joined them on this tour of the local um, cemeteries. Maybe they found out which one it was right away. But at any rate, she's like, huh, so this is your job, huh? And Sam's like, well, not really. We don't get paid for this. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, what a joke. Ah. Again, we're having some class differences going on between the two of them. Yeah. Um, but they do reach the mausoleum and they check out the interior, which has four urns and shadow boxes of belongings to the children. Um, but the fifth person in this family is mysteriously absent. The very creepy personal belongings display case. I'm with Sarah here. I'm like, if I were to if I were to see anything even remotely as creepy as that, I would have nightmares for a week. I walked into this forbidden space and I'll, I, I'm probably cursed in like three different ways. I'll never recover. Yeah. Like I can't imagine being the person who works at that cemetery <laughs> and is like, you want me to do what now? I have to dust. You want me to put this in the box? <laughs> oh, 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 are you sure you don't have like a teddy bear or like, oh, oh, mm, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that one of the, so one of the boxes has the doll. One of the boxes has, I think it's a teddy bear. Uh, Or or maybe it was either a teddy bear or like a, um, a baseball glove. I don't know if they had, I don't know if they had baseball gloves in 1910, but I wouldn't put it past the supernatural writers to just put a baseball glove in there and be like, yeah, this is like a boy's thing. Oh, 1910. Oh no, it's fine. I had a moment where I'm like, are you telling me you don't think baseball existed before 1910? I I don't know, B. Did it? (laughs) (laughs) Did they have... Did did little boys have baseball gloves in 1910? Well, okay. My Google search says that the game was developed in 1839. Oh, boy. So if baseball existed, like, I guess where my mind went was, like, for some fucking reason, I was like, Captain America, as a child, would have a baseball club. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fictional man. Did he, though? It's, you're, I don't fucking know. Did he, though, or did just he just play stickball? 
My brain has a wonderful ability to just spin yarns however it pleases. And it decided that baseball existed because Captain America clearly would have played it. (laughs) I guess if Wrangler blue jeans existed in 1890, I can accept that baseball gloves uh, existed in 1910. It's like that one post that was talking about how a samurai could have sent a fax to Abe Lincoln because they all existed technically at the same time. Oh my god. I'm like, no, my brain don't work that way. (laughs) Nintendo existed before the statue, no wait, not the statue, the Eiffel Tower. Like, Nintendo the company is older than the Eiffel Tower. You're like, wrong, next fact. (laughs) Wrong, no. 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 So it's probably a baseball glove. I did not look at any of these closely enough. I was like, mm, the glass is grungy. I ain't going to be able to tell what's behind it. So I'm not even going to look. Like, my eyes are going to glaze over. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, listen, Linda, listen. The important thing Linda. is that we're one merchant short. The father is not mm-hmm. here, which is a good thing because I also had a little existential moment where I was like isn't that messed up that this guy like murders his entire family and then he is just entombed with with them like don't worry Remy it's even more messed up than that (laughs) like that's okay I well they but they didn't do that so it's okay yeah but but when do they the scenario that no one else knows about until the end of this episode is kind of sad. You're like yeah. this mean old bastard has not been interred with his family. And initially he's been we're like, Yay, around. good yeah. call. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. True. But true. later. No. Okay, so we got to find out where this father was put if he wasn't put here. So we're off to the county office. Um, Dean is inside searching for the death certificate. And so Sam and Sarah are chatting outside about their relationship. Yeah. Very much like um, the hook hand episode. Yes, yes. We're going to bond. We're going to bond with Dean's a little... Dean's going to do plot stuff. <laughs> with a little uh, chat, and Sam's going to be endearing and cute, and uh, and ask, tell, tell Sarah to make a wish on the eyelash that was resting. Oh, so delicately on her. Like he plucked it from her cheek. (laughs) On the apple of her cheek and... Look at that little moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tells her to make a wish and she gives Sam a a heavy look and then blows the eyelash away. I wonder what the wish was. I wonder. But then she pulls like a unique... I shouldn't say unique, but like... uh, uncommon love interest move where she's like okay am i crazy or do we have a connection 
No, 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 like, no. You don't. You don't get to. You don't get to tenderly bl- brush away the eyelash from my face, and then, and then say, and then pretend like it didn't happen. No, come yeah, on. Yeah, she's like, "Are we gonna bone?" Like, <laughs> I'm feeling this energy, and <laughs> Sam, like, don't fucking gaslight me here. Like, do you feel it too? Yes. Yeah. And Sam's like, no, it's, it's not just you, but it's time to pull the dead girlfriend card. And my man pain. But my man pain. Sarah's like, I feel like there's a but here. And Sam says, but my man pain. Yeah. He likes her, but people close to him get hurt. His life is dangerous. Maybe it's cursed even because his girlfriend and his mom have died. When- I'm like, that's two people in your life, Sam. <laughs> when people are around me, they, dramatic pause, they get hurt. Maybe I'm cursed or something. I don't know. It was the cursed or something <laughs> that just got me. It's like I'm cursed or something. I'm like, totally. <laughs> Like death follows me around. I'm like, I know when you're young and like someone <laughs> in your family dies, it is really like all encompassing, but it doesn't mean you're cursed. Well, maybe you're cursed with the blessing of life. Like that's living, babe. I can't like you because anyone that gets c- close to me, they're just doomed. Yeah, on a long enough timeline, <laughs> technically true. It's just so I'm I'm sorry. It's so cliche. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah. It's not your fault, Sam. It's the writer's fault. I yes. can't. It's just yes. There would be a way to express what he's feeling that didn't need that. It's like I'm cursed or something. It's so dime a dozen. It's so forced. I I can't get behind it. And I mean, like, this is super, super uncharitable. But watching little fucking acne-chinned 24-year-old Jared Padalecki try to have this big, like, heavy emotional moment, um, I'm like baby i've seen way too many jensen ackles single man tears no like knees in the dirt (laughs) (laughs) sorry just just every word is pulled torn bloody like a fish hook being pulled from his throat. From his soul. Just being coughed down. Bloody into his open palms. Yes. That I can't. Jared, I can't. I'm sorry. It's like a cursed or something. <laughs> I, half, I shouldn't say half. More than half of my pissiness is with the line. But there mm-hmm. is a part of it that is like. It's not feeling genuine. Like, yeah. again, the the thing that I could see 
relating between these two characters, because we're drawing parallels between Sam and Sarah, is that feeling of being scared that the people you get close to will be lost and he can't feel that again. Mm -hmm. And like, we do get that line, but it's so overshadowed by that. It's like I'm cursed or something. It, it comes after the fact that he's saying that if he lets himself have feelings, then that person's going to get hurt. And I'm like, that, that is a fear that you have. Like, yeah. You, you are scared that the people you care about get injured, but that one line just makes the rest less sincere. And it's too bad because it is a really sincere moment. And it's a real connection between these two parallel characters. It's very, it's just, to me, it was just very main character syndrome where Sarah then she's like, you can't close yourself off from the world. You, you know, that's, that's a really pessimistic and unrealistic way of, of just moving through your life and looking at relationships and, and she's calling him out on it. But then Sam Mm -hmm. comes back and says you just don't understand he literally says like you just don't get it Uh, i i can't still so young yeah i can't feel that way again what i went through i can't do it again and i'm like that that was the only really like sincere moment that i got from him here where he was just where 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 everything else everything that came before it sounded like excuses to me and Mm. when he said no i i what I went through, I can't do it again. That was the only kernel of truth in the whole thing because yeah. he was just trying to, he's trying to protect himself and he's, and he's building all of this. He's building it up. You know, he's building up the shell around himself to be like, no, like I live a dangerous life. I, I, I feel cursed. Like everyone that I love dies and mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. But really what he's saying is that he's just scared. He's just scared yeah. that it, it, it could happen again. And he, if he opens himself up to caring, then he could get hurt, which is true of anybody or anything. If you care, then yeah. it has the power to hurt you. Yeah. Like, as I'm hearing you talk about, I feel like, because when you have pain... There's kind of two ways that you can go with it. And the first kind of common way is my pain is unique and it isolates me and it disconnects me from everyone around me. And that's what Sam is doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's saying, I am special in my suffering. Where the more accurate is the second way of approaching your pain, which is pain is universal there are different degrees of it, but there you can take comfort in the fact that somebody out there on the planet has felt the same pain that you are feeling now and they got through it. Like you could take comfort from the fact that you are a fragile animal body that feels these things and you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. But Sam's not there. He is stuck. Like it, and it is a main character syndrome. And it is also, I think, to do with his youth and kind of the way that he just centers his whole narrative on himself. Like he 
he is saying, I can't do this again. And I'm like, okay, oh, buddy, oh, boy, you have no <laughs> idea what the next 14 years have in store for you. But more than that, I'm like, nobody can't. Like, nobody feels like they can. Yeah. And you should take comfort from the fact that people do get through it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think that this scene... Yeah. <laughs> I feel really bad for what I said about Jared, but... <laughs> Look, it's fine. It's fine. This is season one. I mean, come on. Yeah. I can't hold up the the entire history of what I know of the next 15 years to, to up to season one and say, you know, this is good. This is one complete thing. Um, mm-hmm. But, but this scene, it was fine. I thought that it, um, it did suffer from the writing in some ways yes uh but overall i did like the the sentiment and i think that i think that even what i got out of it is not what the writers intended for me to get out of it because what i got out of it was is what we're talking about sam is is he's young he is not viewing this pain as something that happens to people and it's unfortunate Mm -hmm. but it does happen to people and he and he has to learn how to how to pick himself up and move on from it and he's not there yet uh yeah he doesn't have the experience or the perspective to do that yeah yeah so i saw that side of sam and that's something that i can slot into who sam is and where he's at right now yeah uh yeah that feels more sincere than this I feel like I'm cursed or something. Like maybe the character does feel like that, but it doesn't resonate with me, the audience. Yeah. Even knowing he's kind of cursed, I'm like, <laughs> eh, that was heavy-handed. Didn't like it. Next. Yeah. Like that—that's where I sit with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it. Uh, it. I don't know the the whole. You just don't. You just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you'll never Aww. get me, mom. And then flips his emo hair <laughs> over one eye. The 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 writers is like, oh, this is good shit. This is good shit. This is... I'm really feeling my oats here. <laughs> me, like, oh, I just want to pat him on the head. Do you want a cookie? Can I get you a cookie? Oh, <laughs> who's my little emo prince of darkness? <laughs> but hey, hey, it's all it's all Sam. So I I do. Yeah. I thought that I thought it was a good. I don't know. I I did take something away from it. I should say. Yeah, there's a kernel there. You just have to kind of cut the cha- chaff. Uh huh. Cut the chaff. Cut, cut, cut the, the chaff. wheat from the chaff. Cut the yeah. The there chaff. we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then on this emotional beat, Dean just shows up and he's like, "Hey, am I interrupting something?" <laughs> and we find out that Isaiah got a pauper's funeral in a pine box. They have a location. So, hey, Sarah, do you want to go on a field trip? So there are ashes to burn. And, yep, we're going on a field trip. So they are in the graveyard at nighttime. Sam and Dean are digging. Sarah is holding the flashlight. And she's like, wow, you are eerily comfortable (laughs) with this. Like, I am not comfortable with how comfortable you are with this. Uncomfortably comfortable with all this, aren't you? I was like, what a line. That could have been... F- Again, there's some writing improvements we could have done. But... 
Oh, I feel Not bad. I feel bad because he only got one episode. This is his only episode. And then he was like, "I honestly, okay, if we want to take a moment right here, there are a lot of things about this episode. I was like, a really slick writing, like the way that Dean was like, you got to call Sarah and he just flicked the cell phone out. And then the next thing we see is them on the date. Like there was so much cut in between there. Like, scene-saving things. We yeah. didn't need to see that conversation. There's so much about this episode that was just well-honed in that regard. That I was, like, taking notes. I was like, fuck, I like this. That um, I can forgive some of the clunkier dialogue because there was a real sense of plotting pace and story taking place that I thought was really well done. B, right before we got on this call... Right before we started the episode, I'm like, so, no, you said, hey, I like this one. I'm like, hmm, did you be? Oh, okay. That's, that's nice, Pete. <laughs> and I was like, are we going to fight? Are we going to fight? <laughs> that's nice that you liked this one. I thought this episode was so clunky. I thought it was clunky and contrived. And I, I, I thought that the the dialogue was awkward and i i don't know i wasn't here for a lot of the dialogue but i felt like the actress for sarah uh, taylor cole was really selling her character i found it really refreshing to see her be like okay i think that this is crazy but i want in (laughs) (laughs) i really like her character i love her to bits Uh and I thought that there was quite a few, like, really sharp transitions between scenes. I feel like there was a lot going on in this episode that definitely is lending itself to being choppy in moments. Like, this part right here is, like, one that we'll see um, get choppy. Um, but no, I, I really like this episode. I, I will, I will say that there was a lot in this episode and I thought that the pacing was really good it, due in part to, like you said, the, the, the smooth scene transitions that happen in a lot of places. Um, so I thought, I, I thought that the pacing was good and I thought that they did manage to get a lot into this episode, um plot wise but that it's not a good plot i th- i thought it was very like okay so we need <laughs> we're at a and we need to get to b so that's just going to that's just going to happen we're just going to be there but do we need to see all the details like do we need to see how the sausage is made i'm like not every time i don't need no, all the beats no i'm thinking I'm like, of yeah. I'm thinking of specifically something like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, why didn't Sam and Dean just take the portrait from the house? They, 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 they were in the house multiple times. Why did they have to keep going back to the house? Why couldn't they just have taken the portrait from the house and had it in the motel room? What? I mean, fair. I'm like, but I guess if it was part of the crime scene and then you remove it, then that's suspicious. And then who was involved with that? Well, then Sarah was the only person who went and saw Evelyn. So was she the one who took it? Like, does she become a suspect by you doing that type of thing? They could have taken it before it was even discovered that it was at the house. They they were there. They were the first 
people to arrive. They could have just taken it then. I like. I'm, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying I know, you're wrong. I know. I know I'm I know, saying I know. that if you can come up with a plausible reason why they did not take it, then like you can give that to them to continue on. But I do think that what you're saying is right. Like that would be a feasible thing to do. Like just fucking steal the painting. But maybe there was some logic that the writer was thinking of that they didn't tell us about because, you know, they didn't take the whole painting when they broke into the auction warehouse. They just took the portrait part of it and they left the frame. I'm like, that seems more damning than if the fucking thing got lost in inventory. So it feels like, there was some reason that the writer did not explain to us behind why. Baby, you're it. giving them way too much credit. There was no reason. Baby, why... I'm the queen of backflips for this show. <laughs> there was no reason why that. Some, there was no logical plot reason why they didn't do those things. They they took they took the the canvas from the frame so that the canvas would have a place to regenerate once it came back so that it would still be there for them to sell and then well, have... I think it was just easier to sneak out with this little tube of rolled up canvas than it is this fucking four by four <laughs> square that you're walking through doors nope they needed to have the portrait in in the frame so they could so that no one would ever know it was missing so that they could sell it and it could be in the big old creepy house this is an evil painting it's an evil painting, Remy. People have tried to destroy it in the past and it didn't work. It can be in the big old creepy house and they had to keep going back to the creepy house and they had to keep going back to look at the painting and, and it couldn't have just stayed destroyed because, you know, the... the well, I don't know, it would have released the have the, the ghost showdown in the boogie inn. They do not <laughs> want to wreck that set piece. They love that set piece, okay? So they were not going to have the showdown there. The showdown had to be somewhere. It was not going to be in the auction warehouse because I think if I remember reading correctly, this was at an actual auction place that they filmed it. And so they're oh. like, we ain't breaking shit here and then having to pay for it. Yeah, that would have been a lot so, of pieces that they would have had to just come up with if uh, if it was just a set and not an actual auction place. I mean, yeah. I Again, I'm not sure I know the details 100%. I feel like they were like, hey, we're going to take advantage of this. Oh, and then the, at the but, end of the episode, they're just like, they're just like, oh, it was the daughter all along. Oh, she... I know. Okay, and I do agree with Sam's like, so people are just born evil. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I'm like, am I Is just that how we're hand-waving this? Yeah, like, killing others, killing themselves. People are just born eagle, evil, born tormented, and then their spirits are tormented in the afterlife as well. And I'm like, am I supposed to actually believe that this nine-year-old child slit her own throat after she got done, like, just killing other people? I know. I know. Okay, like, I'm with you. Okay, Remy, do not worry. But I'm also kind of like, shh, shh, okay? <laughs> la, la, la. La, 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 la. Just repeat with me, and then we'll be fine we can watch it when it's like this they did put a lot into this episode and it was yeah it's a it's just a little mini movie but they did it better than buck lemming typically do yeah i mean sometimes the villain is just an evil orphan child which <laughs> you just gotta accept it born evil i know <laughs> with evil in her heart she killed two families before being like, okay, I'm done. 
look, I, I, but yeah, speaking of choppiness, we, 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 we are at the courthouse. We know that there are bones to burn. So we just have the scene where they're digging up the bones. They salt and burn him. They're like, see you later. Glad, glad to see the back end of you. They go back to Evelyn's house. Uh, they think the deed is done. Uh, and you know, Sarah says, why are we back here? Why do we need to go back to the portrait? I thought it was harmless now since we got rid of the spirit that was haunting it. But Sam says, better safe than sorry. Let's, um, let's now take the portrait and bury it. We're going to bury it so that it, I don't know, like he said, better safe than sorry. So Sam and Sarah go into Evelyn's house and Dean encourages Sam to, you know, hey, this is your moment alone. This is your time to make a move. You know, the, Mm -hmm. the deed, the deed is done. We're not going to be around forever. You better, you better, you know, pull the trigger, Piglet. (laughs) And Dean decides to serenade them with cartoons. Like, he blasts the radio with being like, I'm in love with the girl. And then Sam's just looking back like, I will kill you. (laughs) If I had my psychic powers working in season one effectively, you would be dead right now. (laughs) Like... (laughs) <laughs> wait you have to tell me what was the song on the radio because i don't trust that it was the same one that i listened to on netflix oh do i know it no i don't know it b Bachman turner overdrive you had one job okay. b okay give me a second i'll do my job <laughs> <laughs> well what i was listening to was definitely not Bachman turner overdrive it was some like oh aughts uh a sounding poppy uh song i don't know one tree hill era sounding (laughs) poppy love song i don't know which one of these four it is because these are the four songs that played this episode okay okay i i wouldn't be able to tell you which one is which bad time by grand funk railroad Nighttime by Steve Carlson Band <laughs> and Darren Schur. Um, maybe this one. Romantic Pieces Number 1 by Extreme. And then One More Once by Black Toast Music. Those were the four songs in this episode. Okay. Maybe it was just Romantic Music Piece 1. So maybe I did yeah, hear by the, Extreme. Maybe I did hear the same thing that you saw. But yeah, the, the lyrics are just like... He's in love with the girl. Yes. Yeah, something like that. Something about not wanting to let her go. The end, you know. And as I said that, I, yeah, yeah, I see where you're coming from. It was very Sebastian the Crab with, uh. Yes. Sha la 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 la, don't be scared. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. That was the vibe. Yep, yep. Oh my god, just Dina Sebastian. I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> so, inside, the painting shows the little girl is now missing, um, as is the razor on the um, table. There is this eerie cackling, um, the front door slams shut, locking Dean outside and Sam and Sarah inside. Yes. Um, they don't yell through the door. They talk via cell phone with each other. <laughs> Which is the same thing they did in Route 66. 
666. Uh, okay, but they weren't significant distance between the two characters at that point when they were talking on the cell phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, well uh, on Route 666, it was Sam's job to dig out the the bones and finish the job while um, Dean... Dean drag raced. Yeah, drag raced to try to, you know, hold the spirit off. But now it's Sam's turn. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, okay, if the girl's missing from the painting, maybe she's the killer. And the dad was warning us this whole time by just staring at her like a pervert. (laughs) And Dean can't pick the lock to get inside. So he's like, you guys are just gonna have to fend for yourself while I go burn this small child's body. But wait a second, we don't have a body. It's cremated. What the fuck? Um, So he's a little bit um, scrambling. He doesn't know what to do. Um, besides tell Sam and Sarah to protect themselves, find iron and salt. Uh, and we get a legendary line from Sam this episode. Yes, yes. The I've the one you've seen gift a thousand times. What what kind of house doesn't have salt? Low sodium freaks. He's so pissy. I know. So good. I know. And they can't find any pure iron either. They all they all they have is this creepy girls creepy giggling echoing through the house and Mm -hmm. they are scrambling and um and yeah they i don't know why they didn't look for the fire pokers in the first place but they stumble across the fire pokers and they they have they have something they have something that can that can hopefully buy them enough time for Dean to go to the mausoleum because during all this, Sarah has a thought and it's the doll, the doll that they saw in the mausoleum um, is, you know, she talks about antique dolls and how back in the day they were made to be, you know, in the likeness of, of the, the child that they were uh, commissioned for. And, Mm -hmm. and they were even made with, uh, with the, the child's hair in some cases. So real human hair and Hey, hair remains, that's good enough for Dean. He's going to go burn the doll and hopefully get rid of the last trace of uh, this, this, this creepy, 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 creepy little girl. Yeah. On this earth. Yeah. Like, I think that part of what clued Sarah in was the fact that this ghost is walking around and she's holding the razor in one hand and then she's dragging that doll in her other hand. And so Sarah's like, I have an idea. What about antique dolls? And you hear Sam just being like, is now really the time to be talking about that, Sarah? (laughs) And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, she's trying to help very obviously. And she's right. Like, she sends Dean on the correct course of action here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So Dean takes off for the mausoleum. He is busts down the cemetery gate with the car again, just being brutal to baby there. Sam and Sarah are fighting to survive. Child abuse. <laughs> if like intergenerational trauma. <laughs> 
It's okay. He learns to treat her right. I know. I mean, season one hasn't quite figured out that beat yet, but <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, Inside the mausoleum, Dean is trying to break the doll out of the glass case by using his gun as a hammer. And then he has this little comedic moment where he clues in and he's like, wait a second, a gun is a gun, not a hammer. And he shoots the glass out to get at the doll. Come on, Dean. I know, he just chastises himself. Yeah, yeah. Sam and Sarah are being tossed around like ragdolls themselves. Oh my god. The the doll is like the motif for this ghost. She's like, I know how to play with dolls and then just smashes it against the ground. I'm like, oh no. Those are people, girl. And another thing that doesn't match up, I'm just nitpicking now, but you, you know, Melanie, she she never, you know, toyed with her food before. And why now? Why now does she, you know, go all ghost going ghost? Because they know on them. about her. And they're threatening her, and she's like, oh, oh, so I can't just, like, sneak up and kill you. We have to have a fight. Yeah. Maybe she knows them as, like, those bitches that tried to burn the portrait. She's like, I got my eye on you. I'm having some savory moments while I fight you. Maybe maybe the spirit of Isaiah was holding her back previously. Like, okay, okay. I that. Okay. Melanie, you can have one kill every 35 years or so, you know, as a treat. Stay in the portrait, be a good girl, and you can slit the occasional throat. Yeah. Oh, I want to kill all the people. No, honey, you've got to ration yourself. Only two deaths per time. No property damage allowed. Yeah. And then he's gone and she's like, woo, girls, night out. Here I go. (laughs) And... Closes in on Sarah. She's going to probably kick her ass, but Sam protects her with his body and (laughs) (laughs) sorry. I went like David Attenberg very briefly. Um, Dean burns the doll and the ghost eventually disappears. It does not react at the same time as the fire does. But eventually, um, this little girl ghost goes up in flames and returns to her portrait. Yep. 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 Closer. Final scene. Every every episode, we're inching closer and closer to the true supernatural spirit lore because you know we we've had the the hook hand man. We've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, and and the woman in white, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, I know that we've talked about like, oh, bless their souls, they haven't quite figured it out yet on yeah on how to banish these these ghosts, but this is this this episode gets it gets it mostly right. Yeah, I say, yeah. I say, as if you know. <laughs> As if they weren't playing shenanigans with the whole burning the painting thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, our final scene is the wrap-up scene where Dean is like, yeah, it turns out Melanie's OG family was murdered in their beds. Um, so that explains that. And 
Jeez. Sarah was supervising the portrait getting packed away and she advises the movers that she wants it burned out back. Yes, I'm sure. Goodbye. I'm like, what a con this auction house must be where it's like, okay, the Telesca's died. So you get it and then you sell it, you get a commission. And then Evelyn died. Oh, how convenient. She also has her estate work with us. Um, we get to sell it again and make another commission on it. Like, again, I don't know how auction houses work, but I'm like, mm, it seems like a bit of a racket if you could sell the same fucking painting like two times. Secret secret plot C is that uh, David knew about it the entire time. And yeah, Daniel was like, there's uh, a reason why I sold it. <laughs> Daniel. Yep, yep, yep. He was in on it. Yep. He's like, good old green. Getting that cheddar. Mm. We, <laughs> I hustle with my con artist friend, Melanie the Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know the little girl who plays Melanie? She comes back in season 15. Yes. Yes, she yes. does. Yes. And the guy who played Daniel, he comes back in season 10. And the guy who plays Isaiah, he comes back in the Clap Your Hands If You Believe episode. There's a lot of recycled people this episode. I felt like, I may be wrong, but I felt like I rest, I recognized uh, the Isaiah in the portrait, the father in the portrait. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, he comes back and clap your hands if you believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, some fun little facts. We like to recycle our actors on Supernatural. No good talent goes to waste. Mm. So, um, Sam and Sarah are having their final goodbyes while Dean goes and waits in the car without getting any thanks for saving the day. This this moment was reminiscent of Shadow, where uh, Dean was hanging on to uh, Sam and Meg's conversation, and yes. he was a bit put out that, what, Meg, what, this hot chick doesn't want to give me any attention? She only wants to give Sam attention? What? But, but I'm the charismatic one. Oh! <laughs> Yeah. But I it's agree. played up. It's played up. Yes. Dean has been our comedic beats um, instigator this whole episode. So he's got to get one final hurrah in before he leaves Sarah and Sam to have their little heart to heart about the fact that, hey, they made it through. She wasn't killed. So maybe he's not cursed. And he'll come back and see her. And... Sam is just kind of like, that's not the kind of story this is, but okay, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll come see me, she says, so hopeful. And Sam says, I will. And <laughs> Sam says, not very likely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sarah, the light in Sarah's eyes just dims in the moment. Yeah. Oh. oh, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> but, but, um... Sam still needs to have his Han Solo moment as the main character I mean, of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. His whole I love you, I know moment. Because mm -hmm. he leaves and Sarah's inside the building and she's leaning wistfully on the inside of the door and just kind of like, 
oh, the one that got away, you know, like that whole feeling. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's a rapid banging on the door. And when she opens it, she throws herself into Sam's arms and they kiss. And then Dean is this voyeuristic pervert being like, that's my son. (laughs) And it's like, why? 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 Why did Dean have to approve, like... This not it for me. Not it. He doesn't look away. He just is grinning like a dog. Like it's that Jack Nicholson gif where his head is shaking. Yes, and it just slowly <laughs> zooms in on him. It's like, oh no. Beep 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 beep. I need you to. I need you to Google something for me. I need you to Google something for okay. me. Is oh, Eric Kripke an only child? I have to know. I have to know. I don't know what would be worse. If he has sisters or if he's an only child. God, I think he's an only child. I think he's an only child. It doesn't say anything about siblings. I love it. I love it. guys if anyone knows if anyone knows dm us or or blast we need to know on twitter we We need need to know know. we need to know is eric kripke an only child please (laughs) we think he is i think he is i mean i mean just the vibes just watch season one he's very obviously an only child (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ Okay. Yeah, Dean Dean looks on the entire time that Sam is making out with this girl, just full on about to penetrate the door making out with this girl. Oh boy. Oh my god. Yeah, that happens. And then we cut to black. Like the end of the episode is just yeah. Sam's tongue in this girl's mouth. Bye. For the next week. You know, we'll see you in seven days time for episode 20. But in the meantime, it's Bone City here mm. at the auction house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They go do it in the back storage room. Oh, yeah, here we are. The end. The end. Remy, do you still not like this episode? B... <laughs> I know, hard question right off the bat. I'm Oprah here. <laughs> this is odd for me. This is this is honestly odd for me. I've never I've never come to the end of an episode in all of our two and three quarters seasons of doing NCFM <laughs> and just being like, nah, I don't really have much to say here. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so your final takeaway is this is this sure was an episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think is exactly why I messaged you when I said I was ready to record now. Yes. I was like, well, that was an episode. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, V. Okay, so I will give my final takeaway first. I okay. enjoyed watching this episode because it is another one of those season one iconic episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is well-beloved and well-worn in my mind. And I, and it's been, it's been a few years since I've watched this episode and I was very fond 
in watching it. Um, but as far as like the contents of the episode and the character moments, um, I was just like, it, it was just cute. It was just, it, it, it just, mm-hmm. it gave me, it gave me some warm fuzzies, but it was just like, it was more the nostalgia of it all. Mm, that's fair. Yeah, for me, I, I am quite fond of this episode and I don't know if it's necessarily anything in it per se, but like I mentioned earlier, I like the way that a lot of these scenes um, transition between each other, how we jump from time to place really smoothly for the majority of what's going on. Um, plot wise, you know, like you're, you're pointing out holes. I'm back flipping over them. I'm like, <laughs> I'm used to potholes. And then I lunge across them. And but- also, I mean, I can't even fault it. This is supernatural. This is a monster of the week. It's supernatural. Yeah. Like every episode is going to have holes. I just, yeah. I, I just decided to pick on it this time. It's, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Yeah. And like, ultimately this episode was about... We're, we're highlighting the fact that Sam has kind of armored himself up against the world. He's really lost himself in the work. And this is going to be a character trait that we see from him. Like, the first thing that I'm thinking of is Mystery Spot in Season 3. Um, the way that he can just get really single-minded, really bullheaded about what he wants to do. And he needs the people around him to kind of keep him human. And so this episode was really laying the groundwork related to that and having a moment to highlight, you know, hey, Sam, don't forget that there's a bigger world out there than just the journal and the local newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And I I can't for the life of me remember which episode it was. I mean, it might have been Hook Hand. It might have been the Scarecrow episode. But there were were other episodes very earlier on in this season that, um, that had Sam in this same... Um, that painted Sam in the same way, had Sam stuck in the same mindset and just being single-minded and, and, and focused and just driven because he's protecting himself, uh, from, from all the hurt that has happened to him, uh, recently. So, you know, like I said, when, when we revisit this particular plot line with Sam, uh, and, and, and have, more the focus on Sam. This is definitely where we're at uh season 1. We're showing Sam as still uh still hurting and not ready to move on and uh still using the job and using the mission. At first it was finding dad f- or or finding the thing that killed Jess or or whatever it is. He's still you know using the job as a shield yeah just just not yeah. not looking not looking into the future just looking into you know, one day at a time just trying to yeah. get forward to to a time where maybe he feels okay yeah to a time where maybe he feels okay it's like he's trying to forget the pain rather mm-hmm. than process it yeah which is a trope in and of itself just burying himself in the work to try to forget yeah. the pain yeah. 
And I think as main character, um, you know, it's a little bit tricky to write those because you tend to focus your storyline and stuff around them. And so they're more likely to have to follow the rails of the story mm-hmm. in a way that a side character can play around and do things that are unexpected um, because it's not related to where you want the story to go. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a fine balance when you're writing between letting the characters do what they want and keeping the story on the rails. And I think, unfortunately, because Sam needs to keep the story on the rails, then he doesn't experience as much character growth as we see Dean go through. Like, Dean gets to have these side stories that are unrelated to the plot, but shape him in a way that, you know, it's it's good for Dean because Dean's not the one that we're catering the narrative to. Yeah. Whereas if we let Sam have those moments, Sam might surprise us in a way that completely changes the way we want to go forward with the story. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely agree with that because we've been seeing these little microcosms of Dean where Dean can go through it uh, all in one episode where for Sam, he's still building up to the climax of of his conflict and we haven't gotten there yet. So we're kind of we're kind of in a holding pattern with Sam where yeah. Dean with the with the side plots like you said he can he can have these bursts of of growth that we're not seeing necessarily with yeah. Sam. Like Sam we can't have him really have these minor inconveniences or pains that he has to go through because he has such a large one with Jess, you yeah. know? If Jess's Jess's death has been the impetus behind all of his decision making. You can't really have like the episode where Sam remembers this one case that happened and it really upset him because it's like, well, is it going to be on the same level as Jess? Is it going to detract from that storyline? Like you get into this area of just what can you do? knowing that there's this bigger central pain out there that he's going through. Yeah, yeah. And Sam is the driver for what is the main plot. So so that's another way that kind of railroads Sam where he can't have these little side plots because we're always going to be thinking, how does it, wait, I don't get it. How does this tie into the main plot? Um, Yeah. So he, his entire narrative focus is going to be on the main plot because um that's kind of the 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 hole that they dug if i want to put it put a point on yeah. it yeah yeah and i think like that that's what we're seeing with this episode mm-hmm. is just it's i'm glad that we're getting that moment for sam where we can really look at that armor that he's put on um and I would like to see more in the future where it's not all related to Jess and his feelings thereupon. Oh, hold on, B. Let me count. Um, how? Uh, okay, this is episode nineteen. I think we had uh, what was there three three thirty four total? Let's uh, yeah, we we've got a few more to go. I mean, yeah, you know, we've watched some episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
There'll be some more episodes. <laughs> and we've watched 59 episodes, okay? This is our 59th. No, no, no. I'm talking about where Sam is now. We're on episode 19 and we're saying, like, you know, you know I want to see Sam ha- I, I want to see Sam grow more. I want to see Sam have more moments. Um... And I was just, I was just making a joke to say, well, this is episode nineteen. We still have some three hundred plus left to go. I think Sam's gonna get his moments. Okay, <laughs> I was like, we of course started season fourteen, so I'm like, <laughs> technically speaking, it's two hundred and sixty-eight episodes. Like, uh, I'm sorry, I, I am so bad with reading cues. Sometimes uh, you're right. We get, we get more opportunities to see Sam have different storylines. <laughs> No, us? No, us? By the end of this, we're just going to be hollowed out husks of human beings after going through all 300 episodes. I mean... (laughs) We're laying it all out, guys. There... (laughs) There's so much. Welcome to the clown show. Remy, I don't want... Okay, try and forget this. But the very last episode that we will be recording about involves the squirrel fight up on the air. No! Like, <laughs> try and forget that. Try and forget. Okay, it'll be a treat. <laughs> but by that by that point, the fans will be begging us for more. So we'll just we'll just redo everything. We'll just... I mean, <laughs> again, time is a flat circle. <laughs> I okay. I would kind of be interested in seeing season fourteen and fifteen, having like rewatched and analyzed everything that came before it. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, I definitely agree that our live watches that were um, chapter one of No Chokebook Moments yeah. in in fourteen and fifteen are just vastly different than these very meta heavy, uh, taking it all as a whole. Uh, yeah rewatches of what you know what we're going to be seeing in seasons one through one through you know yeah and like season 15 remember when we thought they were going to give us a good ending oh no oh no you know like i think it'd be interesting to see season 15 with that in mind yeah i I agree i think it'd be interesting to to watch it all with perspective yeah i mean that's 40 years from now though so i know i was just about to say like i don't i don't have my watch set to to nine years from now so i can't i can't tell you what's going on but yeah we can say how we feel now who knows how we'll feel um when we're reaching retirement age and you're pulling out your 401k and I'm taking out my RSP. Right now, I am just so glad to be along for the ride. I yeah. have so enjoyed talking with you and talking yeah. this episode 19. I love when we don't agree on episodes because <laughs> we get... We get to have, like, the different perspective. It would be like, okay, tell me what I'm missing, and I'll tell you what you're missing. And you get more out of the episode by the end of it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I definitely, I always, always feel like I got, I get more out of the episode uh, by the end of really sitting Same down here. and talking it out. So, uh, but, 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 yeah, it, it was, 
it was definitely for me it was like okay b you're gonna you're gonna really have to lay this one out for me because i just <laughs> and i'm like i'm doing cirque du soleil i'm dodging bullets like i'm in the matrix plot hole plot hole plot hole no <laughs> look at this transition i'm really fond of it the end. <laughs> And it's not, and it's not always all that big thing, you know. Not every episode yeah. is gonna be the magnus opus of of Supernatural, but this one, <laughs> this one was good. It was, it was good. Yes. And next week we have episode twenty, which is Dead Man's Blood, and I sure hope you're excited to see Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> find us social media you could find us on tumblr you can find us on twitter you can find us on our website you can find us on our email come talk with us we're clearly having fun and we think you should join us too yes and thank you all for listening we so much appreciate you and we will see you next week see you guys see you bye